Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. We're on a short break between seasons, so this is a bonus episode. A little bit ago, I asked my email community, I said, does anyone want to share their story on love and life? And today's guest offered to share her empowering story of gratitude in the midst of chronic illness, which made it the perfect episode to post during Thanksgiving week. I want to tell you a little bit more about Quinn Taylor. And you'll also hear about Quinn and my history. Quinn Taylor is a patient advocate with an expertise in chronic kidney disease. Quinn is also a patient engagement specialist, speaker, author, gratitude enthusiast, and kidney transplant recipient. She is the owner and sole proprietor of Tailoring Gratitude. She's affiliated with many renal organizations, including the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, the Gift of Hope, and she participates as a member of the Vascular Access Affinity Group with the American Society of Nephrology. She's also one of the authors of Patient Reported Outcome Measures for Life Participation in Kidney Transplantation, a Systemic Review, which was published in January of 2019 in the American Journal of Transplantation. Quinn says, For me, the most rewarding part of advocacy has been the opportunity to help others and help them find their voice. You have everything inside of you to overcome the obstacles in your life. It's not easy, but it's worth it. My conversation with Quinn Taylor of Tailoring Gratitude, right after this. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram, where I post original quotes, infographics, and I tackle trending topics in my Love Smarter, Not Harder IGTVs. On Insta, you can find me at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril and on Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson. Hey, how are you, Quinn? I'm getting you, Dr. A. Well, I call you Dr. A. Everybody else calls you Dr. Karen now. I know, because we go way back (laughs) to when I was a professor at Chicago State and you were just a young college student. Quinn, thanks so much again for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to reconnect and connect with you. And I'm just so glad that we get to do it um, today. Absolutely. I love this this platform has been a real extraordinary way to connect with people and share what I've learned over the years and now have the opportunity to have some of my community share what they've learned over the years. So talk to us a little bit about when you got the invitation, hey, do you want to share on Love and Life? What was it that you really wanted to communicate with the community? Um, Absolutely. So this is uncharted waters for me just because I'm actually really kind of private about it. But I do have several chronic invisible illnesses. And talking with people in my community, love is actually something that comes up very frequently just because dating is already hard. But when you have a chronic illness, it, it adds different layers to that. 
And so going through chronic illness, I've always been dedicated in knowing my purpose was to help other people, especially patients. And so I just wanted to be the one to stand up and put it out there. Hey, it's difficult. Let's talk about it and let's support and encourage each other through it. I love that. And especially with you sharing that you typically want to be a little bit more private about such things. And I think that's something we all make decisions throughout our our lives. And sometimes we have seasons where we feel like, you know what, I just want to keep this to myself more so. And then other times we go, you know what, now it's time for me to share a little bit more and see if in sharing others can be encouraged, like you're saying here. So talk to us a little bit about the challenges you've experienced and some of the ways that you've tried to meet them head on. Certainly. So there's challenges in both life and love. The challenges in life have been grieving the life that I thought I was going to have. Yes. I had a plan. I was going to be a psychologist. I was going to change the world. I was going to get married when I was like 30, have two and a half kids, the picket fence and the puppy. But that didn't happen. I was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease when I was 20. My kidneys ended up failing when I was 27 and I went on dialysis. Mm. And at that point, everything changed. And I, I fought. The funny thing is I fought so hard for that life. I was actually working full time, still going to school full time and getting ready for dialysis because I wanted this life so bad. Um, mm, and when dialysis came, yeah. And when dialysis came, I literally had to let go of it. And I had to grieve that. I had to grieve the life that I did have before because, you know, going and hanging out with friends, having, you know, just the life of a typical person in their 20s. It forced me to kind of grow up very, very quickly. It's definitely, it's been a journey with finding contentment with my life and finding with love. (laughs) So I, I wasn't always so interesting and so much the love part just because like I said I was ambitious I still am ambitious but I was like you know I have plenty of time to get married but when I got diagnosed it was like this is a lot to face alone it wouldn't be bad to have someone kind of there to support me and not like friends and things like that but sometimes you know you just want someone to catch you and when you try to kind of go through that, you realize love isn't as simple as you may have thought it was. The challenges were, because when I was first kind of diagnosed, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell many people, I'll put it that way. I didn't even tell my family. And especially when my kidneys failed, I didn't tell anyone. A lot of my family found out on Facebook as well as my friends. It was very private. And my my barrier was, how do I tell somebody I have kidney failure. Yeah. There's no handbook. There's no way to have that conversation with the person. And being younger, it's like, this feels like a a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I tell somebody I have a chronic illness. Are they just going to leave me? Are they just going to stop texting me back? Are they just going to stop calling me? And then when you do date a person, you feel like you have to hide a lot of your life. You have to hide the dialysis. You have to hide not feeling very well. You have to hide, you know, when you go through the highs and lows of being on dialysis because it's hard. You have to figure out how to explain things to them. Like they might want to go out on a Friday night, go on a date. 
well, I had dialysis earlier today. I might have felt like it this morning, but I don't feel like it tonight. So how do you kind of do that without giving a person the wrong ideas or like you're just kind of flaky? And that's not just with dating. That's with friends and family. How do you get people to understand I'm not being rude? I just can't do it all. Yeah. And especially with you being so young, people would look at you and go, come on now, what are you talking about? Right. And not really understand nor maybe even believe or get the depth of this illness and how incredibly impactful it is, sadly, on your ability to just go about your daily business. The emotional and the the mental health part of it, because mental health overlaps with chronic and visible illnesses so, so greatly. And there are times when mentally and emotionally, you're just kind of out of tune because you're trying to process all of this yourself. You're trying to figure this all out yourself. And sometimes you can't explain it to the other person and they're trying to maneuver with you and you're trying to move maneuver with them, but you really don't know how to because you don't really know what's going on inside of you. Then there's the medications. Medications kind of tamper with your mood. And one day they get the pleasant part of you. The next day they get the steroid rage part of you. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just a lot. And if you're not in a space where you're able to communicate or if you're not in a space where you feel safe, to communicate, it makes things very difficult. You know, it as you're talking, Quinn, it makes me think of so many women in my community who already struggle with the dating scene. The dating scene is hard enough. App dating makes people feel like, oh, I'm just one of a million people on your phone and you figure out whether you want to even ask me out within 0.01 second with a quick little swipe. People already feel objectified. They already feel that it's so difficult to meet their person. And then you bring a chronic illness to the picture. You bring a chronic illness to your own experience as someone on the dating scene. And like you said, it's not just the physical illness. It's then the emotional, the toll it takes on your emotional health as well and your ability to to feel hopeful, to feel positive in the midst of a realm that's already difficult enough. One of my podcast episodes with another woman who suffers from chronic illness, Jacqueline Raposo, and she spoke to dating with a chronic illness. It's very similar to some of the things you're speaking to where Unfortunately, your body doesn't allow you to be always at the top of your game the way that you want to, right? You you have this desire. You, you go, okay, I want to go out there. I want to do this. I want to give it my best. But your body just goes, no, not today. It's not happening today. And how difficult it is to just battle all of these realities in the dating scene and then also your own, not only physical health, but also your emotional health. So, I mean, I just applaud you for being courageous enough to experience this, A, B, share about it. And I do hope that it is something that others will go, okay, I'm not alone. Because I know that's one of the most powerful things we can do when we tell our story. No, absolutely. And I think it's a twofold situation because if you come to a point and you meet someone with a chronic illness, my prayer is that when you hear something like this or your other podcast that you mentioned, it gives you a little more understanding, but most importantly, more compassion towards that mm-hmm. person that you're dating, you know, to understand what they might be going through. And also just being authentic. If you realize that maybe this isn't something you can handle or this isn't something that you're equipped to deal with, it won't let you lead that person on 
because being a person with a chronic illness, you are very vulnerable. Last year, I went on a a brief journey into dating apps Mm. and I I wouldn't tell the people like, you know, I don't come out like, hey, my name is Quinn and oh yeah, I have kidney disease and a kidney transplant. (laughs) Right. You, You have to kind of place it right. And so we would meet up. And I have a, a fistula, my access in my arm, that's not easy to hide. So at that point, mm. I would have a, the conversation and say, yes, I, I had well, I have kidney disease, I have kidney failure, and I have a kidney transplant. And we would have a conversation about it. And then you don't hear back from the person. So you don't know why you didn't hear back. It might have just been a bad connection. It just wasn't meant to be. They may have been in love with somebody else. You don't really know the background, but you can internalize that as I was open about about my chronic illness and I didn't hear back from them. Was that the issue or was that the reason why they didn't call me back or was that the problem? So in hearing this, if you just understand that maybe that's not something you personally can handle, it gives you an opportunity to just be honest with that person. Not necessarily saying, I don't want to date you because you're sick or something like that, because that's definitely not the approach to have. But just understanding um, kind of what you're getting into dating someone with a chronic illness, the things it might require of you, the things that person will need. And you learn ahead of time. Like I said, if you choose to date them, there's a certain level of compassion that goes with it. My hope is that people... It gives them some tools, just not for chronically ill patients, but people in general, how to handle their feelings better. That, that's so important. We all need to to be more mindful. And so I think it's really important what you're saying, just to remind us all to just give a little grace, extend a little grace to everyone. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns. We'll target limiting beliefs and thought patterns. We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. Can you speak to, you You mentioned the grieving the life that you thought you would have. And We talk about this on this podcast a lot to some degree when our life doesn't play out exactly as we would have scripted it in the romantic realm for sure. But you're also talking about in the professional realm, you had big plans, you had big dreams, and then the physical realities of your life also impacted those dreams. So can you talk about what steps you had to take then to grieve? Because grieving is a process. It's not like, okay, one day I'm going to grieve, check it off and I'm done, right? It's a process. And it's often something that we manage every day to some extent. What kinds of things have you done to make peace to a degree? And again, I'm not trying to uh, insinuate that you should be done with your grieving or that you have fully grieved, but what is the process like for you? First, I had to eliminate comparison. Mm. that meant 
my friends lived a very different life than what mine looked like. They got to go out and party. They were dating people. They were, as I always say, living their best good life. And my life didn't look like that. You know, they didn't have to worry about going and having a dialysis treatment and coming home drained for the first of the, the rest of the day, potentially cramping, all of the things that go along with that. Um, they didn't have to worry about things like trying to get on the list for a transplant. Mm. They didn't have to worry about the same things I did. And I would just look at their lives like that's the life I was supposed to live. And then mm. I had to say, no, this is the life I was purposed to live because you know, I, I'm I'm a Christian, a person of faith. And so I always say this was the life God gave me. He knew what it was going to be before I did. And so he equipped me with everything I needed to get through it. So I had to come to that place of stop comparing my life with other people's and trust in my journey. Part of the grieving process was also learning to kind of pivot where I was. And when I say pivot, I didn't have that life, but I had this life. So this life can be just as rewarding, but I have to be intentional about it. I have to make the most of it. The best way I can put it is it got to a point where I decided I wasn't going to let dialysis have me. I was going to have it. I wanted to be free. It's easy to be bitter. It's easy to be angry, but you sit in those feelings and nothing really changes. So I knew I wanted to be free. I knew I wanted my heart and my spirit to soar high. And so for me, it was gratitude. I started to implement gratitude in my life. And gratitude was so important because a lot of times we don't appreciate things until we lose them. And I had already lost this life that I was supposed to live. And I didn't want to look forward and realize I had missed out on so much stuff or I don't want to lose things in order to be grateful for them. I didn't want to take anything else for granted. So I said, I want to be in this space and I want to be free. And so I started using gratitude to help myself. And people say, well, how could you be grateful and you were chronically ill? Well, it was about finding a healthy relationship with my diagnosis and with my illness. The thing about it, nobody chooses to be chronically ill. It's not something anyone would choose for themselves, but it happens. So I had to learn how to coexist with my condition. You know, people sometimes say your your diagnosis doesn't define you. It doesn't define you, but you still have to live with it. But you choose to write your narrative. You can either live the life you think you're supposed to live, the life people tell you you're supposed to live with a, a chronic illness, or the life that you want to live. And so I decided I wanted to live a life to not only be fulfilling to me, because if I never got a transplant and dialysis was my future until, you know, the end of my time on this earth, I had to find a way to be okay with that. And so you know, just just things like that, learning to find a healthy relationship, having self-compassion helped me grieve. A lot of times we get hard on ourselves because we feel bad about what happened to us. And people tell us, you know, it's OK to feel bad, but you have to get over it. And so I, I never want people when I say that I wanted to be free or I, I chose to look at it differently, being me telling you to get over it. You never get over it. 
But you have to have self-compassion to understand you have the right to grieve your life. You have the right to go through that grieving process and nobody can tell you what it looks like. And you have the right to grieve because you had your life turned upside down very quickly. And it didn't come with a manual telling you how to move forward. So those are things I, I personally use to help with moving forward and grieving and coming to a better place with it. Those are so powerful. I was writing down what you were saying. I thought, <laughs> really, because I these are powerful strategies, and I hear what you're saying. And I asked you what has been helpful for you, but I know that when you share these, you're not trying to say that someone else. This is exactly the way that they have to work their own grieving process. You're saying this is what worked for me. Eliminating that comparison. And one of my favorite quotes is by Theodore Roosevelt: "Comparison is the thief of joy." That goes for all of us, but certainly for those managing physical realities that they would not have chosen. I mean, what I'm hearing is this underlying refusal to be a victim. And you have every reason to be like, I am going to be bitter and angry. But you didn't want those negative emotions to put you in chains. You wanted, like, I love what you said. I wanted to be free and to really have that healthy relationship with this life that is your life. And of course, your faith in God, which I love and as a Christian as well, I see the power in that. It, It moved from this is not the life I was supposed to live to this is the life I was purposed to live. And once again, those are massive shifts in the way that your mindset approaches your day-to-day existence. It's really inspiring to hear you share that. What will I do with this? I didn't ask for it. No one would. It's not fair. I can shake my fist at the sky. I can pound on the floor or I can go, what will I do with this? Yeah. Thanks for sharing those. Those are so powerful. Absolutely. And understand you will have those moments. Even Mm. It's been, well, it's been almost 20 years ago. I'm kind of aging myself, but it's been almost 20 (laughs) years ago (laughs) since I was diagnosed. But I still have those moments where it's just like you get frustrated. And that's where self-compassion comes in. And I say that you, look, you have the right to feel some type of way about it. Just don't stay there. Yeah. Just know that, you know, today might have been the day, but tomorrow is a new day with new grace and mercies. I always say every morning when I start off today, I declare a decree today will be amazing. Amazing things are happening to and for me and I will do amazing things. And I do, even if there's a section of the day that's hard. That's the other thing I always tell people, don't write a day off as a fail just because you have a hard moment. It was a moment in 24 hours. And don't let that moment force you to subscribe that everything is negative. You can have a hard moment. I And it happens to me all the time. And then the rest of your day is full of blessings and happiness and joy and all type of things. You can feel it. Just I encourage you not to stay there. It reminds me of, you know, in psych, of course, we talk about cognitive distortions. And in cognitive therapy, we talk about how people who suffer from depression are oftentimes the reason they are is because they have these very distorted ways of looking at the world and experiencing the world. They're looking through the world through these very negative lenses. That is such a powerful way of approaching life for you to say, yeah, I'm maybe I had a painful moment because I felt less energetic than I hoped to, or I was depressed about this and that, but I don't have to let that Even that moment of maybe it was a couple hours in the morning, that doesn't have to be the rest of the day. The rest of the day doesn't have to go south as well. 
No, absolutely. And that's something that I, I hold on tight to because even if you have a couple rough patches, it, we're guaranteed so many problems, right? It says that every you're guaranteed so many troubles in your lifetime. So it's expected that obstacles, barriers, things are going to happen. But just don't let those things hold you back because then you'll never get to the breakthrough. You'll never get on the other side of it. And I find that when I, I do that, I keep repeating cycles that make me go down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody wants to fall down that rabbit hole. You have to hit the bottom sometimes to to have the the courage to get to the other side. And when I say that, when it when you're in a bad place and things happen, it's easy to to submit to those feelings because you're submitting to it. But it takes courage to say, I'm not going to submit to them. I'm going to overcome them. I'm going to build a bridge over it. And I'm going to get to the other side and I'm going to fight. Because it's a fight mm. to get to a, a content place. And sometimes I don't like to use the word content, but sometimes you just have to be content with space before you can find the joy and the greatness in it. And there's nothing wrong with being content in a space when it's when it's feeding you and when it's enriching you and making your soul happy. Yeah, just don't let one bad thing or a couple bad moments shift everything in your life. They're just moments. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And when you say you don't necessarily love the word content, is that because it feels like just resigning yourself to like content isn't isn't full of joy? Is that what you're saying? No, because I, I, I think sometimes when people hear the word content, they they take it as like you're just stuck. Mm, and, mm-hmm. and for me, content doesn't mean that content means I find um, I find good in where I am right now. And I'm not stuck here. I'm just in this space for a reason. And, you know, we're in spaces and we're in seasons in life for reasons. And most of the time they're for lessons. There's it's, it's pretty much always a lesson in that. So I just don't like to project certain things when I say content to other people, like you're stuck or you're not moving or maybe to insinuate that you're not striving for more. It's not that, but for me, content means I'm in this space for a reason and I choose to find goodness in this space until I get to the next level. I got to write that down too. I choose, (laughs) this is so good. I choose to find goodness in this space. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I I wanted to ask about the the use of the word content. Mm -hmm. I do think... I'm always about thriving and love and life and absolutely, but I know that we're not meant to be on a mountaintop 24-7, right? And I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes people have a hard time going, well, you know, I can just have like a day where I'm just kind of low-key, middle-of-the-road emotion. We think that if we don't feel 100% happy that we've somehow failed oftentimes. And so I think content is a great place to be. And we're still always striving and looking for ways. And like you said, finding that goodness in that moment, in this this moment, this season, whatever I'm supposed to be in at this time. But uh, yeah, I think that sometimes people have some 
they struggle with that. They 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 want to be on cloud nine all the time. And I'm like, that's kind of unrealistic. Very much unrealistic. And like I said earlier, you're, you're guaranteed so many days of trouble. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. if you're a believer, that's, that's what the Bible says. So knowing this, everything is not perfect. Um, life is not perfect. We as human beings aren't perfect. So things are going to get hard, you know, but it's all about finding a space in your life where you can be nurtured, you can grow, you can be enriched. And that goes back to the authentic self. You find in those spaces, you often find out who you are and what you're made of. You know, mm-hmm. when you're in a space and you can't really move around, you're forced to spend time with yourself and you begin to find out things about yourself. You begin to learn who you are. And that's when you I always say one of the most important things in life is falling in love with yourself and your life. Because when you find yourself, you fall in love with yourself and your life, it's almost like you unlock a door to, to freedom, to be who you are, to accept your journey, to trust your journey, and to walk through your journey with your head up and with conviction because this is yours. So just learning that. Being in these spaces um, of content leads to so much more than just okay. You just have to be still. You don't have you don't have to be uncomfortable in stillness. And I think if anything, this pandemic has taught us that how many mm. people you know being in this pandemic and we've been forced to kind of slow down in a world where we're always trying to get to the next place. We're always trying to go higher, do more. How many people have been so productive and been able to kind of do some self-awareness just because they've had to sit still for a bit and been able to just kind of find out who they are. It was uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. But those are lessons that help you become a better person, a stronger person, a more aware person. And those are the things that lead you to finding your your authentic self. I think that's so beautifully stated because I was curious. All of us, of course, work on our authentic selves. We hope that we can, like you said, be be still to listen to our intuition, to trust our gut, to work on that process of being the person that God wired us up to be. Mm-hmm. And that's oftentimes hard to do in this life where there's a lot of messages about this is who you're supposed to be and this is how you're supposed to live your life. And this is the person that we expected you to be, whether that's your family or your community, mm-hmm. or your friends. But certainly when you have a chronic illness, you go, okay, who am I? Who's my authentic self? Because this illness, I didn't want it to be part of my authentic self, but yet here it is. So how do you wrestle with self-discovery? And like you said, finding your authentic self, resonating therein, and also loving your authentic self, even when it entails a physical self that you would not have chosen. And that goes back to finding a healthy relationship with your illness, your chronic invisible illness. Um, a lot of times people have negative relationships with it. And when I say a negative relationship, they resent it. They don't, they don't take the time to see how it's shaped who they are. And for me, I can say I never, I, I, I don't have a moment of regret of being diagnosed with this because it, it's made me who I am. It's mm. taken me through the lessons. I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I hadn't been diagnosed with this illness. 
And that's helped me to figure out my authentic self. It taught me how strong I am. It taught me how loving I am, how much I care for other people. Because even in this, I want to help other people to overcome and manage their illness. It taught me about resilience. Mm. So many things happened to me. I got a transplant five years ago. And six weeks to the day after that, my dad passed away and my mm. so, so suddenly and like my earth shattered. Imagine being at the highest of highs and then being right. broken down to the lowest of lows in a matter of weeks. Mm. But it taught me about who I was and I, I, I didn't know how I was going to get in. It's so um, powerful how things happen in their right timing because I never I never thought, like, how am I going to get through my dad's past? And my dad was my everything, my best friend. Hmm. But that transplant, <laughs> that chronic illness was what helped me get through it because I had this kidney now. And I had to keep moving and living to protect hmm. this special gift that mm. someone lost their life to give to me and give me a second chance at life. And I knew my dad would be disappointed if I let such a precious gift go. So, mm. you know, those are the things with a chronic illness that helps you find your authentic self. You know, you, you just learn so much about who you are and the relationship. So having a negative relationship with your diagnosis doesn't give you the experience it doesn't give you the opportunity or the the amazing experience of finding who you are with this illness and what this illness does to you to make you better it's hard to see it sometimes through the pain it's hard to see it through the doctor's appointments you know it's so hard to see it when you're going through all of this and people look at you and say i don't know what's wrong with you and that's a hard pill to swallow but if you stop, you can realize and see who you are and how this builds you up and the lessons it teaches you. I will always be grateful for the person being diagnosed with chronic illnesses has made me because I definitely wouldn't know things about myself that I know now without it. This is just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're, the, the, the beautiful and powerful reframes that you just continue to use. And those are therapeutic techniques I talk about on the podcast a lot. And you've implemented them very fluidly into your life and into the narrative and, and to this, the way that you experience this and have looked for ways to find this physical reality to enhance your life and help you see the world with more clarity and with a lot of empowering messages that you're telling yourself that are true, but they're not easy. Like you said, they're not easy to come by. They take a very intentional, I'm going to find the good. Like you said, I choose to find the goodness in this space. If you're in the market for a graphic designer to help you with, well, a lot of different things, I highly recommend Sarah Jordan of Pixel Bash Designs. Sarah has a lot going on. She's a web and graphic designing, video editing, social media managing, doodling sticker maker with an Etsy shop. I reached out to Sarah when I wanted to convert some of my fave hashtags into a sticker sheet. Make it happen, take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life, of course, and true love is worth the wait. 
Sarah was a dream to work with. She took the time to fully understand what I was looking for and then quickly created super clever and on-brand graphics. She went above and beyond what I'd hoped for. For your next graphic design project, be sure to check out Sarah's Etsy shop at Pixel Bash Designs or find her on Instagram at The Multipassionista. Quinetta, this is just so powerful. I want to thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with? And of course, also let them know where they can find you and learn more about what you're doing to spread this word of encouragement and empowerment. Absolutely. I thank you for this opportunity. As always, it's always great to have a conversation with you. Um, You can find me on Instagram at tailoring, T-A-Y-L-O-R-I-N-G, gratitude, G-R-A-T-I-T-U-D-E. That's all one word. Um, You can find me on Facebook under the same name. I do have some digital resources for people with chronic illnesses. I have a workbook called Finding Gratitude After Diagnosis. And it's a workbook that takes you through a journey of figuring out what gratitude means to you and then how to sprinkle those things in your day because everybody implements gratitude in their life differently, but how to put it in your day to help you manage your chronic illness. Um, And I also have a digital product called Resetting Your Day in Gratitude about how not to let the little things make your day a fail, but how to keep functioning and making it a great day still. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing those resources with my community. And they can find that through your Instagram page. And then is there a website as well? Absolutely. You can find me at www.tailoringgratitude.com and um, find out more about me. You can sign up for an opportunity to work with me personally one-on-one to help you find your gratitude journey through chronic illness and kind of check me out. Oh, thanks again so much. It's just been a real blessing to chat with you and yes. to, have, <laughs> to connect again after all these years. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. The love and life hack for this week is, I'll use Quinn's quote, I choose to find good in this space. Happy Thanksgiving. I am so very grateful for my love and life community. Thanks for giving me an hour of your time each week. And I do hope that it is always an hour that edifies, encourages, and empowers. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. And until next time. Make it a great and thankful week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.